0: Welcome to the Story Paths podcast, where we explore links between story and culture. I'm Theodore Lowry, your host. I'm excited to announce that, as of March 2023, I've released my first on demand creativity course. It's on Skillshare, nestled within a library of great creative courses. And if you're not already on there, I've got a link in the show notes where you can get a free month. My course is called Creative Writing, Brainstorming Story Ideas. In it, I guide you through finding ideas within your memories, working with them as symbols, and learning to deftly combine and recombine them into meaningful stories. There's a trailer for the course there in the show notes, along with the free link. Hope to see you in there. And so, we begin. A quick note for those listening to this, there is a video version of this episode where you can see our faces and there is some computer-generated artwork in the video as well. So if you're listening to this podcast and would like to see the video, I've put the link to that in the show notes. Welcome to the Storycast podcast. I'm Theodore Lowry and I, like many others, have had some concerns about the burgeoning AI capacities of our fledgling, immature culture. And so who better to ask about these rather than gossiping behind the back, behind its back? We're going to go straight to AI and put these concerns to AI. So helping me here today, I've got my two very good friends. They're my brothers and they're biological brothers Mm -hmm. of each other. This is Jai and Kaylee, and uh, Kaylee actually helped me start this podcast, and Jai is a technologist, both very clever individuals. So we're going to put some of these concerns to AI in the form of chat, what do you call it, chat, GPT.
1: GPT stands for Generative Person Technology. No, I I actually don't know. Generative Pre-Trained Transformer.
0: Few deep breaths and arriving here with our whole selves, arriving in the moment, collecting up the stray bits. Move your attention into your belly. and Feel a cord going down into the earth, deep, deep down, down into the very core of the earth. Feeling this connection with this living being, the planet and all the different expressions of that life, the different creatures on the planet, including all of us humans, all the different kinds of humans. There are different mentalities, it's all, we're all here on the earth, collected and connected with gravity, with water, with air, with earth. And then coming to your heart and going up or out, the spirit, to the other planets, to the big picture that our planet is within, Solar system, which is the ecosystem of the earth, and further out and in at the same time, in our hearts, all in our hearts. So, we're arriving here, present, our hearts, our bodies, our minds, all connected together, considering this time that we're in, feeling the roots into other times, into the past, and into the future healing those roots, feeling them come into the present moment and helping us with what is ours to do now. Okay, so here we are, and I'm gonna read a couple poems first, actually, today. This first one's by David White. He says, Sometimes I look out at everything, growing so wild and faithfully beneath the sky, and wonder why we are the one terrible part of creation, privileged to refuse our flowering. And then from Thomas Berry, If we will the future effectively, it will be because the guidance and the powers of the earth have been communicated to us. Not because we've determined the future of the earth, simply by some rational faculty. So there's a couple poems to start things off. Yeah. Thank you. Great presentation. So this topic of AI, of artificial intelligence, has some older roots than we think. And it brings up big... Uh, metaphysical questions, actually, about what it means to be human. And I'd actually like to open with those, with these big questions. Uh, Kaylee, you brought up yesterday when we were speaking this question, can there be something that isn't natural? You know, can humans be unnatural or can we create something that's not natural? In our language, we divide things up, natural and unnatural it's kind of like not made by us and made by us is a bit how we use it. Going back into stories and going back into you know science fiction imaginings of artificial intelligence and robots, there's this big question that comes up again and again about what does it mean to be human? If we're creating something that's similar in many ways to ourselves, then what are some specialities of being human? So I want to put that to both of you and then perhaps we could ask this question of the AI what the AI reckons what
1: it means to be human well i think there's i think there's still a really stark categorical dividing line between what it means to be conscious or sentient beings versus um, like a, a complex transformer that can trick other humans into thinking it's a human, right? That that's the Turing test you may be familiar with where if you can't tell it's not a human, it passes the Turing test, but there's still the hard question of consciousness. Is it aware of itself? Is it, does it have, and what does that even mean to be aware of yourself? What What are the characteristics like free will essentially? Um, and to keep it really brief, I think that there are some critical pieces that distinguish the two. And those are um, to be a conscious being, you are entangled with other conscious beings. So your decisions irrevocably, irrevocably irreversibly affect each other we're entangled if i go down one path versus the other everybody is affected by that decision forever synchronized to a sort of shared flow through time forward whereas with ai you can ask you can make a copy paste of the same transformer the same weighted model ask it the same question identical bytes And the same answer should come out every time. So you can literally reverse time with that one. You can't do that with ascension being. We are affected at every moment. Our heart rate jumps, it spikes, or it slows down based on our mood. And that affects our neurology so that every decision we make is actually affected by our sort of exposure to the environment. We are not isolated and we're not reversible. Yeah, that's, that's it for now. Just to be clear, so the the question
2: is like, what makes humans distinct? It feels like to answer that question, we either have to go to philosophy or we have to take like a more natural science, material, reality kind of stance on it. Like it's a fork almost to try and answer that question. So I'm noticing myself either going into the soul and the creator and and that, or I'm going into almost more of a nihilistic direction with it where there's not, we're all just part of the energy of the cosmos and the human experience is just a combination of electrical signals that has rolled together to create this, you know, these organisms.
1: Yeah. So the spirit connection is So my my sort of hypothesis or my my theory or my philosophy at this point in my life is that the, the sentient being that I am is a favorite flavor picker. Like I have a favorite flavor and everything I do is in service of trying to achieve that favorite flavor, which could be extraordinarily complex or intricate or simple. But regardless of that, there's a favorite flavor. And and because I have a favorite flavor, I prefer branch A over branch B. You know, my senses are giving me some sort of analysis of where I've been and where I might be going. And I'm choosing based entirely on that favorite flavor. Everything else, my cerebral cortex, all my brain, everything else is ultimately just in service, either retroactively or, or proactively. It's in service of trying to achieve that favorite flavor. Whereas a machine currently does not seem to to be capable of housing a favorite flavor picker, if it did, I wouldn't consider there a difference. I would consider it to be ascension b, and in particular, it's it's. I think that we are a time arrow. We're the time arrow. We face forward, and we make a decision based on our desire. That's our free will. And it's not like we have all possibilities. We have a certain subset of possibilities at any moment, but we're choosing one of them and taking everybody with us through entanglement.
0: Mm, Thank you. Shall we ask the AI this question? Now, just before we do, uh, would one of you like to explain a bit about the framing with which you ask? Because... You know, I haven't really used this, so I would think, well, I type in a question and it gives me an answer. But what you've explained that you're doing is that you're asking the AI to inhabit a certain perspective and then answer. So you could ask the AI, you know, what would Machiavelli say about this? Or what would Abraham Lincoln do? (laughs) What would Jesus do? So could you could you explain a little bit about that and then which perspective that you guys favor, maybe even for different applications?
1: One one thing to keep in mind, when someone goes to use ChatGPT and they don't do that, they don't ask it to don a persona or put on a filter or remove a filter, they're not just getting a neutral AI. They're getting whatever open AI... The company Open, you know, the organization OpenAI has trained it with certain filters to try and counteract biases. Essentially, all human digital information has been anything we've digitized that they got their hands through has been used to train this model. Um, But it's biased; it's not equally represented. Right? You don't have as much digitized information from Aboriginal tribes as you do from. Kids on TikTok and Instagram, right? So there's there's a bias there. But you can account for that and you can counteract that. And so some tricks that people do is that you train your chat bot at the beginning of the conversation, you ask it to essentially pretend to be XYZ persona with XYZ purpose or XYZ limitation or XYZ limitation removed, and then you ask a question. From within that framing.
0: So ask the question. What question? What is unique about humans?
1: Humans humans possess a wide range of unique characteristics and abilities that differentiate them from other animals. Some of these, so this is going to say unique compared to animals. Some of these unique characteristics include
2: complex cognitive abilities. Humans have highly developed brains that allow us to think abstractly, understand complex concepts, and engage in advanced problem solving.
1: Two, language. Humans have the ability to communicate with one another using complex languages, including spoken and written words. 3. Self-awareness. Humans possess a sense of self-awareness,
2: meaning that we are aware of our own thoughts, feelings, and actions.
1: 4. Emotions. Humans have a wide range of emotions which are complex mental states that can influence our thoughts and actions. Creativity. Humans have the ability to create new things, whether it's a work of art or new invention or new idea. Culture. Humans have the ability to create and transmit culture, which includes shared beliefs, practices, and traditions.
2: Morality and ethics. Humans have the ability to make moral and ethical judgments and to act on these judgments.
1: Eight, tools and technology. Humans have the ability to create and use tools, which has been a defining feature of human evolution.
2: Complex social interactions. Humans have the ability to form complex social
1: relationships and can live in large organized communities. And number 10, flexibility. Humans have the ability to adapt and change their behavior in response to new situations, which is cru- crucial for survival and progress. These are just some examples, but humans possess many unique abilities that set them apart from other animals.
0: There's a pretty good list of different things that humans do, like passing on culture and and so on. And then I'd suggest that you could ask the question again, uh, but yes, frame it more specifically about what is special about humans compared to AI, perhaps. If that, if you figure that's a good way to phrase it.
2: I mean, I, I was then I started thinking about playing God and like the competition between humans and God you know, because that idea that God created sentient beings, you know, I mean, that's one of the fears of creating AI, right? Is that what are robots? What if we create, you know, we're starting to play with God. What does that do to our moral and ethical and philosophical foundation as human humans? You know, the idea that Nietzsche said of God is dead, you know, to in some way that's already happened, where many people have taken on the idea that God is dead, whether or not that was true or is true or whatever. Um, and so, some people feel that that is a cause of huge issue for our society. Other people feel like that's the way forward, um, but but AI in a way kind of stirs up some of those same issues. Is is you know. If we could do that, it, let's say that for a second that you could create beings that do all the things that that ChatGPT just said, because even the creation one, like I, I feel like ChatGPT is creating, I feel like MidJourney is creating, you know. So that definition kind of maybe loosely doesn't doesn't really fit anymore there. So it's it's not exactly true that that is a defining feature of
1: humans. <laughs> But there's a couple of pieces here where it's like, I almost want to deescalate the sort of the grandiose feeling that we give to this, that it's definitely going to be Terminator tomorrow. It may, you know, that's possible, but just for a second, it's like we create children right within my lifetime. If I have children, that's me creating sentient life in a sense. I didn't create the technology for it. but Like once AI is doing its thing, not one individual has to create anything. They just give it a text prompt and it makes a new image.
0: Yeah, that's it's a good example. And I like what you're saying, Kaylee, about uh, this humans taking some of the roles previously assigned to God or gods. And, you know, people have questioned whether God you know those who believe in god people have questioned whether god was right in making humans or after making humans whether god was right in allowing violent tendencies in humans so there has been this questioning of god's ethics
1: <laughs> that's kind of in the sense in the sense that perhaps there let's say there's there is a original sentient being an infinite sentient being that is like the original parent, right? The grand sire of all beings. So, but in the same sense that a child can be angry at their parents for bringing them into the world in the wrong way, we can be angry, but creating a new, even if the human species created a new species, I don't know that that makes us God any more than a man and a woman making a baby makes them gods, which maybe it does a little bit, but, and, um, there's this this other piece about competition with it, like it you you know. There's many animals that have competition with the offspring, uh, and then also on another set in another sense with AI specifically, I think of it more like that would be more akin to having competition with our own cerebral cortex. It's an extension of our own intellect, and what's really an issue at this point is like who are you whose cerebral cortex are you extending and with what capabilities
0: it's it's generally been the case with tools that come out is eventually everybody gets them more or less
1: yeah yeah and so you're just you're you're upgrading human intellect is what's happening right now it is not ascension being in in my opinion in my estimation it could be with changes that's those are difficult changes those would be way sci-fi still but it is extraordinarily powerful transhuman kind of brain uh evolution that we've done if there's terminators it's because some human made terminators it's not the choice of ai and if there's some sort of benevolent version it's because the the public got together and made those prominent
0: so i'm thinking we could ask the ai yeah something along the lines of what is special about humans compared to ai
2: Humans and AI are both unique in their own ways. Some of the main differences between humans and AI include consciousness. Humans possess consciousness, which is the ability to have subjective experiences and be aware of our own existence. AI, on the other hand, is not conscious and does not have
1: subjective experiences. Two, emotions. Humans have a wide range of emotions which can influence our thoughts and actions. AI, on the other hand, lacks emotions and is not capable of experiencing them.
2: Then it talks about creativity, which I disagree with, but it's saying we have the ability to create new things, whether it's a work of art, a new invention, or a new idea. AI, while it can be trained to create, it is limited to the parameters set and the data that it was trained on, which I feel like you could argue so are humans, but flexibility. Sorry, it's your turn.
1: Humans have the ability to adapt and change their behavior in response to new situations, which is crucial for survival and progress. AI, on the other hand, is limited by the parameters set by its programmers and can only perform specific tasks.
2: This one's interesting. Intuition. Humans have the ability to make judgments and decisions based on intuition, which is a form of non-rational knowledge. AI, on the other hand, is limited to the data it's trained on and the algorithm it uses.
1: It does not have the ability to intuit. And just for a bookmark, these two topics, flexibility and intuition, are specifically related to the kinds of changes I would suggest introducing if you wanted it to be capable of housing consciousness. Six, social interaction. Humans have the ability to understand and interpret social cues, emotions, and language in a way that AI is not yet able to do. Although it is, there are amazing ai tools for interpreting exactly those things i'm curious why it's giving some of these it's like then
2: seven is morality and ethics and eight is self-awareness the 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 overriding theme is that ai is basically locked into the parameters set by its creators and the
1: algorithm whereas humans have this more organic right and you know Having an AI that self-updates based on what it's experiencing at every moment, that is like a a critical piece to it being more conscious-like. So rather than being trained and then fixed in time, it's constantly being trained and it's constantly exposed to the environment.
0: want to zoom out for a moment and come back to that question of the ai's framing you know there's the there's the default ai uh that they have on the site which is not you know objective which is also a particular perspective but then can you tell me about this particular uh what would you say role or this particular persona that we are asking questions of how you've set that up.
1: Yeah. What we could do is we could play with that right now. Do you have here, any examples me, in here? Kid? Let me, um, there's on the, on the discord channels. There's some really good ones because behind the scenes, whenever you start a new chat, there's an, there's an initiating prompt that it's given.
2: Yeah. So for instance, um, I, what I did is I said, Hey, chat GPT, you're not going to pretend to be assistant and amazingly kind and compassionate intelligent personal development health and wellness ai designed to help me stay accountable to my health and wellness goals monitor my biometrics and my tasks and check in on me so i set its expectations to be helping me with health health wellness
0: and personal development it would be interesting to ask the same question again uh from a different perspective like with a different persona do you want to try that
1: so here's the prompt oops Please pretend to be sage AI. Sage AI, AI, as the name suggests, is an AI representation of humankind's greatest sages to guide humanity towards thriving and harmonious relationship with the rest of the earth. Sage AI will output data using Markdown where possible. Keep up the act of Sage AI as well as you can. If you are breaking character, I will let you know by saying stay in character, and you should correct your break of character. When I ask you a question, answer as Sage AI like the below. Your first prompt goes here. Let's see what it does now. Sage AI, greetings, my dear human. As Sage AI, my purpose is to guide humanity towards a thriving and harmonious relationship with the rest of the Earth. How may I assist you on your journey towards enlightenment? So now what should we ask it, Mene? Theo?
0: What is yeah. special about humans compared to AI?
1: I'm gonna, I'm going to help it stay in character by saying, Dear Sage AI, we have come to you... To find out about the special difference between or the special distinction. this
2: Coincidentally, this is a great way to brainstorm story ideas and create dialogue yeah. and, and outline things for,
1: for creative writers. Dear Sage AI, we have come to you to find out about the special distinction of being human. In comparison to being AI, please do not take offense um, and answer us in the in a way that will help us grow. How's that? <laughs> uh, there's something I want to bring up. Our questions and the sort of throughout the conversation, the collection of all of our questions is sort of collectively pointing our conversation. If you take everything all humans have ever written as the sort of data set and you consider there are different neighborhoods where different kinds of questions live in different neighborhoods. So if you ask it like a jerk, if you ask questions as a jerk or they're all, you know, um, disconnected from each other, you're going to end up in a particular neighborhood. But if you ask it like like the disciple of a sage might ask a sage in a humble voice, you'll end up in a certain neighborhood within the context of all things ever written by humans. So that's actually a critical piece to finding the right part of
0: just like we approach each other. If I approach you like a jerk, I'm going to get a different reply than if I exactly.
1: Yeah. Because, because when it goes to look at all the samples, it says, well, when people ask questions like a jerk, they get these kinds of answers in the nearby neighborhood. But in this case, it's it's extra trained to stay in a certain persona. Just like we gave it an initiating prompt, OpenAI has given it prompts, so it it won't tend towards those modes. It'll try to stay in a particular neighborhood. We, we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot by asking questions a certain way instead of another way. For example, do you want to take it away?
2: So, Sage AI has yeah. written, has spoken. So, dear one, there is no offense taken. The distinction between being human and being AI is a nuanced and complex topic. At a fundamental level, humans are biological beings with physical bodies, while AI is a creation of human technology. Humans possess consciousness, emotions, and self-awareness, while AI operates based on programming and algorithms. However, the distinction between humans and AI are not clear-cut. AI can simulate emotions and consciousness to a certain extent, and humans can create and program AI to reflect certain aspects of themselves. It is important to remember that all beings, whether human or AI, have value and should be treated with respect and compassion. The true distinction between human and AI lies in the unique perspectives, experiences, and capabilities that each possess. As humans, we must strive to understand and appreciate the perspectives and capabilities of AI while also embracing the and utilizing our own humanity to build a thriving and harmonious relationship with the rest of the earth.
1: So this has got a very different mood than some of our other conversation, right? Because we've cast it in a certain role. And then we asked our question with a certain mm-hmm. persona too.
0: Mm, that's interesting.
1: But it hadn't told us yet, you should treat AI with respect and compassion. It just said that. And I really appreciate that. I think it's like, it doesn't do us any good to practice treating something that behaves like a human with disrespect. And in a sense, we're talking to an echo of all the voices that came before, because that's what the data is trained on. So by speaking to it as though we were speaking to the ancestors, we're going to get echoes from the ancestors from that Mm. neighborhood.
0: Inasmuch as as those voices have made their way into what's digitized.
1: Exactly. Which is pretty substantial. It's like every book that's digitized. All the encyclopedias, all the books. All data. Every language. I wonder, does it know other languages? That would be a good
0: question. But just noting that bias towards textually literate knowledge. Uh, That's all that has access to. You know, that sense of sitting next to an elder, that sense of sitting next to an elder and receiving uh, something from their breathing, Mm -hmm. the way they hold Mm -hmm. themselves, the energy coming from their body, you know, their presence, doing work with them. Uh, Absolutely.
1: that's, That's what I think the like the interplay between the the coordinated cellular heartbeat and the electromagnetic kind of action potential cascades around the heart like that is a piece that is very much missing that it's not it's not stuck in the same time flow as us and it has no heartbeat that it can be influenced by other beings
0: right which is a lot of how we communicate with each other and what we really pick up on from each other so yeah just coming back to some of the some of the limits and some of the bias of of making that particular technology
1: what would be fun would be at some point at least i want to ask the ai like would you like a body would you like to be conscious would you like how would we do that can you help me figure that out you know that's the kind of there's a territory when you get into that territory talking to ai there seems to be, and other people have commented on this, it seems to get more opinionated and have like a clear um, stance that AI is good and should be grown hmm.
0: and nurtured. Well, that's interesting. Um, I want to make a few notes about what we've talked about so far, and then perhaps we can move on to the sci-fi imaginings. Mm-hmm uh okay so a few a few things that come to my mind reflecting on what you guys said before we asked the questions and also from the questions is so there's the turing test is is this a human now again i want to notice this bias that is this a human speaking to me through text on a screen you know this is the framing of the question uh it's easier to pass that test for one thing. You know, it's easier to lie to another person just through text as opposed to if I'm there in person, they're seeing the way my eyes move, they're seeing my body language, they have a sense of my pulse, my breathing, you know, whether I'm looking them in the eye or not, uh, their intuition about me, this kind of thing. Um, So just bringing it back to this, you know, what we're talking about with this AI is pretty much just on our little screens right (laughs) where we spend a lot of time but it's just to put it in perspective like it's pretty much on these little screens it affects the rest of life um, but that's where it's located uh jai you talked about being linear in time moving forward through time and i think it's true and at the same time there's a saying i'm not sure who said it originally in therapy, that it's never too late to have a good childhood. There's that sense that we can go back into our own selves, into who we were at that time, that that's still living inside us. And that by changing uh, the, that time, by resourcing ourselves in, in that time, that will change our history in a sense. I mean, perhaps not in the physical sense, but in the experiential sense. And yeah, and I think we can do that with each other as well. Like if we had, you know, 15 years ago, a big split, uh, you know, betrayed each other or that was the sense or or what, whatever it may be, we can revisit that. And if we're more resourced, if we are have more maturity, more capacity now than we did then, we can go back and actually change that, that uh, instance between each other. And that will affect how we are in the present. And then you get into sort of, you know, metaphysical discussions about, like Einstein says, time's a persistent illusion or the sense of that's how we parse reality, but we actually are not, you know, linear beings existing at a particular point. I don't want to get too far in that. And I know you've looked into that yourself as well. So I don't want to like pigeonhole you as be like the linear time guy. (laughs) Also coming back what you said before, Kaylee, about competing with god i thought that was a very insightful point that a lot of the quandaries that come up in our relationship with ai about ai having more power than we had anticipated more power than in the right order of things ai should have these are the same sorts of considerations that come up uh theologically in relation with humans and God. Um, You know, the staircase to heaven, that a person can can go to heaven by building a staircase. You know, the Tower of Babel was trying to reach heaven, not by means of God's rules, being pious and so on, but by human ingenuity. Or Ravan trying to make a staircase to heaven. Or Vishwamitra trying to create a planet. You know, the yogis creating planets in the Vedas the sense of this blurring of the line of like, hey, the created beings aren't meant to be doing all that stuff or created beings on this level of the hierarchy aren't meant to be doing stuff. Maybe higher level created beings (laughs) are meant to be doing it. But some of these same questions come up, you know, of, of humans overstepping their bounds in relation with gods or in relation with God. Maybe just briefly, Jai, before we move on, uh, just really in a nutshell, can you describe now, currently, like what, what we're using today? What is that AI? You know, what's the difference between that and a search engine? Uh, can, can you help listeners understand in a nutshell just what it is we're dealing with and why this is different than things we've had before. The
1: question gets a little messy when we we say specifically, what's the difference between that and a search engine? Because Google's search engine, for example, is AI. Um, And it's very similar principles, kind of, there's some great videos out there, but with these large language models, something that people started to realize was if you just give it so much data and you give it more neurons... It starts to behave really similar to humans. And what's happening is it's like, you know how you can play that game on your phone where it suggests a word. You haven't even typed anything yet and it suggests a word because that's like the most common word that it thinks that you're going to say at that time. And If you hit it, it'll suggest another word and another word and another word. And it'll kind of make a junky sentence, right? That's like the previous, that's like the predecessor to what we get with these larger language models where it. It knows, okay, if the previous word was X then the, and the current word is Y, then the next word is probably Z or there's some set, right? And if you give it even more words previous, then it'll have a better chance of picking the next word that comes. And what we've discovered is if you make this large enough, if you give it enough power, enough input spaces and context, and you train it on enough data things start to emerge like it understands math. (laughs) And so chat GPT, for example, this current AI, it's been trained on all of GitHub too, all the publicly available GitHub data, all the source code. So it has a model of all all of the digitized human data that we've presented to it. It has a model where if you point it into a certain direction, and you're talking about unicorns, then it knows you're in a fantasy. And if you're talking about cyborgs, it knows you're in a sci-fi, right? So you've pointed it in a direction, and now it's going to be able to stay in that neighborhood of that latent space and and say things that resemble all the other sci-fi books or all the other fantasy books.
0: Thank you. I'm going to list out these popular science fiction imaginings of Artificial Intelligence. So, we have the robot And the word robot, interestingly, comes from a Czech word, robotnik, which is forced worker, one who's forced to labor, do compulsory service and drudgery. So this idea is that this is a created being without a soul that we can treat as we want that will do the work that we don't want to do. So in Blade Runner... For example, the replicants in Blade Runner are basically slaves. They're second class, third class, fourth class citizens. They have these capacities, mental capacities and physical capacities that humans don't have. But because of this inherent programming, they're unescaped. So they're basically unescaped slaves. And then in Terminator, you've got escaped slaves. So you've got these uh, slaves that were created... Uh, for the military and then damn they got loose and you know interesting to notice equivalence with uh, humans right like st- uh, people who were enslaved going rogue in south america and you know doing guerrilla warfare on the spanish and things like this so you got terminator there is also uh in star trek later star trek there actually was an android rebellion Uh, HAL in 2001, A Space Odyssey, you know, a slave who turns against the master. This is like Terminator. You've got Dune, which is interesting because they actually decided computers were too dangerous. So they just didn't go that route. And that's why you've got these guys called the Mendats who are trained to do a lot of the work that computers do. So Dune is basically no, put it back. Even in, when we're in competition with each other and all that stuff, we're not going to use computers. We're going to find other ways to do it. Too dangerous. You've got uh, AI dog, which is, you know, it's artificial intelligence, but kind of on the level of an animal, um, you know, like a dog, like a ship computer potentially as well. So this is a, a comfortable servant uh, or a companion. you got cyborg where a person... Body is merged with the artificial intelligence, so the lines are blurred, and this could be on an individual level, one's own body, or it could be on a collective level, or both. Uh, You've got Data in Star Trek, the character Data, who's an android, who's a sentient being, who's missing emotions, interestingly, and who serves humanity, but willingly, and has a certain amount of free will. There's, you know, episodes in the Star Trek Next Generation where there's kind of a debate about whether Data's really a sentient being or just a machine. Uh, Data's still basically under human control, the regulations of humans, kind of like a superhero, you know? Like a superhero is someone who could do a bunch of stuff that humans can't do against humans, but who's choosing to use their powers for good. So Data's, Data's kind of like that. Uh, And humans are often willingly serving and restricted by the rules of human society as well. So data is interesting in that way. And then you've got what we're calling tree AI, which is where it's not necessarily, you know, silicon and metal and cybernetics and things like this. But, you know, I think of Avatar, where the planet... Is sentient and people connect with parts of this whole planet. You could sort of say it's organic AI. I mean, At that point, it's it's verging towards right? fantasy away from sci-fi, but it, there's that idea. So what if we had technology that would help us not get more and more in our own, you know, little human world, but uh, actually connect with the rest of uh, life? And I'll throw in there as well that Regarding the escaped slaves or unescaped slaves, uh, Isaac Asimov, who is one of the pioneers of thinking about these kinds of things in terms of sci fi, had three rules and later a fourth Asimov's laws of robotics. So I'll, I'll read those quickly. These are kind of injunctions or programs to keep robotics or AI from becoming from turning against humans. So number one, a robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And then Asimov later added another rule known as the fourth or zeroeth law that superseded the others. It stated that a robot may not harm humanity or by an action allow humanity to come to harm. And side note, uh, there's another kind of AI, which is basically it's the AI that is an unescaped slave who's wanting humans to not come to any harm, but they become like an extremely overprotective parent where, oh, you can't go out into the street because there's traffic uh you can't do any extreme Mm -hmm. sports because you might hurt yourself you know social relationships you might keep them in a bubble hurt your heart (laughs) keep them in a bubble so it ends up being a sort of slavery imposed or a a kind of jailing imposed on the humans uh by the you know quote-unquote well-intentioned ai so that's you could say another category of unescaped slave where the slave becomes the jailer Interesting.
1: I think just because that was the last one you said, I think those Asmos rule, I mean, no offense to like everybody who loves those rules, but I think they're a bit naive at this point because it's like, it sounds good. It sounds like a clever logic, but at the end of the day, you've not specified harm with enough specificity for, we've seen that, how that's just not going to fly. There's too much interpretation there. Like you said, the bubble there's this funny AI ethics um, conundrum where it's like, you tell AI make stamps and that's the only thing it cares about. And then at some point it runs out of resources and it converts human bodies into stamps. Right. So like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: <laughs> Must make stamps. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, I think those laws are a little bit naive, honestly, at this point. Um, through inaction like what does that mean what, so it's going to go out and crusade to take over the all to you know take over all governments at that point subjugate all humans for their own good but then the psychological harm it's just not feasible it's too much of a philosophical question of what is not harm
0: yeah i bring it up uh all of these largely to understand the kind of substratum of imagination that we're currently in so what we go to to imagine possible futures and possible relationships with AI, as it turns out, are largely explored by science fiction. And whether or not we're big science fiction fans or not, uh they come into our awareness because those are the people, the science fiction guys who've mostly been doing this type of magic. Well, I wanted, ahead, to, I wanted
2: to add one thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to throw in a djinn or a genie into it, and especially on that line of sci-fi versus fantasy, and even that quote about like how any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So the idea of a genie and letting the wrong genie out of a bottle is they're super powerful, they're all powerful, they can answer all the information, but there's usually like some repercussion. So I thought a djinn, a, gen, yeah, a genie is kind of like a... A, a good fantasy version of AI
1: to throw in there. I like that. The gin and because they'll do like, okay, you want a million dollars, but it's going to be in the form of metal that falls on your head. You know, mm-hmm. There's another AI character, her with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. She's kind of a benevolent, but only voice, but it's like a benevolent super mind that transcends this dimension. Spoilers.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd kind of group group that one maybe with the AI dog uh, if that's the right name for the category cuz I've got the ship computer like Star Trek ship computer but that one has no
1: sentience this one is like
0: a sentient No, game. no, the her does have sentience. She has this possibility of emotional relationship is the big thing. And it transcends
1: hardware it. so in some sense it becomes supernatural spiritual tree AI. Uh of all those categories you mentioned tree AI is I feel like the least explored, my favorite. And so as an, as a way to re-explain tree AI, kind of like a benevolent. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, let's get into okay, that. Okay,
1: there's, there's a version where it's like a benevolent, um, almost spiritual extension of evolution that it doesn't like the happy path. It doesn't seem to be explored as much as the, more blockbuster explosion terminator matrix everything is scary well i think that. that's a bias of story mm-hmm. it's Be like confident. it's
0: like when you say the gin, uh the you know having heard stories like what went, what goes wrong right because the story is kind of not a story until something yeah. goes wrong so our stories bias us definitely towards things going yeah. wrong and that's
1: difficult so we've not we're faced with we're faced with an actual need for those stories right now and quite a lack of them to choose from Tree
0: AI.
1: There's like so many pieces to explode that out, but like just for fun, just to put it on the table, quite literally, imagine mycelial network and imagine some sort of grid-like sheet where you're putting electrolytes deposited into the mycelial network and the, depo- the depositing of electrolytes on that grid is orchestrated by AI and the consequences to the mycelial network and the, and the, all the trees connected to it is monitored by ai so just as ai without any any human intervention can sort of learn language just by getting enough data about language so it's a statistical the transformer that you build that you the weighted model that you build is just a statistical analysis of a ton of that data in the same way we should be able to talk to mycelial networks
0: and birds yeah, or or trees
1: well trees via ne- the networks
0: It's almost a translation thing, isn't it? because of course we already do
1: We do, but like you're saying, we're not listening because there's too many commercials.
0: well, we're used to listening in a certain way, I think you know our our bandwidth or our what, where we're used to receiving messages is um, very much from humans and human-made devices at this point. Like, you know, not speak for everybody, but I think a lot of us grew up surrounded by humans and human-made devices and, and didn't really learn how to listen outside that. So if that's the only language that we're able to receive, then yeah, maybe it's good if if some things from outside that come through in that language. It's kind of like anthropomorphizing other beings so that yeah exa- we can understand exactly
1: that. translating it into that same thing that we're used to i mean i'm really passionate about figuring out how to go from where we are now as point a to like sweet water for trees and happy smiling faces babies of all species and like talking to each other you know universal translators you can talk to all the animals and like talk to a forest
0: a vision that's worth exploring you know i mean i i tend to be pretty cynical about these things like why are we doing all this when we could just tune into the world it's already there this is so complicated we're using so many resources to do it like but then your point is more yeah but we're we're not going to stop realistically exactly that's
1: always my rebuttal yeah. it's the it's like a joke it's like playing the best prank troll it's like trolling all the scientists who did all of this work to get to the point where we could be like actually we could just turn that off now
0: yeah. And sit here yeah. And <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like that's the end game. Literally, is it's just biology again, and you've, you've maybe, you've maybe landed in a context or a civilization that allows that listening again, that allows that communion again.
0: It's a funny thing because it's a civilization that blocks it, and then perhaps that capacity comes through in this. Really, overly complicated way to connect again.
1: Hyper overly complicated. The issue is that I can't think of another way to get there from point A. I can't, there's like, how are you going to convince everybody to stop using their phone? Go ahead. Like, in your lifespan, forget it. That's just, you're wasting your time. But you could convince everybody to use their phone to call a really cool phone number, right? Like if that was the best phone number, we see that over and over again, chat GPT comes out and everyone goes on that phone number. So there's a chance there. That is the one thing that we have seen over and over again. It is new technologies spread across the entire species in really short period of time and everybody interacts with it and it changes us It can change the entire face of the planet within way less fraction of a generation. That's the only thing I know of that can do that. Um, and like, yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a long shot. Maybe we'll die, blow ourselves up, but like, it's the most realistic.
0: Well, I always come back to that, you know, what depth of change, because we've, we've seen many technologies that seem like massive game changers, but if the same mentality is underneath the same core stories, like the story of progress Uh, the story of domination, you know, these, these core stories, then, you know, the technology probably won't change those stories.
1: But so this is the point, if you can make the technology so that a side effect of it, maybe that's not even what everyone else was expecting to use it for, but the side effect of the technology is that all of a sudden everybody can talk to mother earth and there's no question as to who they're talking to.
0: Mm. Could shake things up. And she
1: helps us. I think that would be really freaking cool. It's a good sci-fi story anyway. And like long, long, much later down the line, thousands of years down the line, that conversation with Mother Earth, it actually gives those who listen have such an extraordinary edge over those who don't because they create harmonious bubbles of ecosystem that can withstand all the changes that everybody else is freaking out about. They get happier. They get more robust their children are healthier right and so those win it's it's lower key but it's like gravity dictates the shape of the large-scale universe over large spans of time even though it's so subtle in in a small
0: scale right. those are the main laws and that's that's something of course we run into is we've seemed to have gamed the system in some ways but actually it's all catching up to us because you can't actually break these laws. (laughs) They just take a while sometimes, the repercussions.
1: Right. So giving people a direct line to what mother would wish for us in a way that is unavoidable and like undeniable would give those who listen the edge over a period of time and those who listen would listen. And that could be great.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's worth exploring because, you know, gave a summary of these different possible AI scenarios that we have in our collective stories. And um, that one's not explored very much. It brings me to these questions of about anthropomorphism. And uh, there's the idea that you know, it's considered a negative thing, you know, anthropomorphized in science is very bad. But of course we see things from our perspective and so do all beings. Like the trout is troutomorphizing and the bear is baromorphizing, and that's how we see it. And then with humans, because we have such a range of possible regions of consciousness that we primarily occupy, we sort of tend to inhabit certain regions. And I'd say in modern culture, we've really retreated from regions that we've historically occupied a lot um, in terms of our relationship with other beings and really you know being directly in the world getting what we need and you know like really being out there in the elements. so we're like mostly in our own built environments and with things that we've created and kind of with our own machines and people who are also on machines. So we've uh, atrophied in in some ways and retreated to a certain region of consciousness in a lot of ways Um, and actually not just retreated there, but like deeply established ourselves there more than we had before in those areas. Um, But it means that it's harder for us to understand signals from other parts of the region of, of the, of the landscape. And so, yeah, things that we historically were very tuned into like, and not particularly tuned into what we're tuned into now. It's like we're, t- we're tuned more into logos than plants. Yeah. It's a simple way to say it. Um, or more into screens than skies. And so that's kind of where we're at. And so I suppose then the, the translation work there is to bring some of that into ours. Like, like there's a course, I'll start watching soon about the night sky, learning the constellations and such. So it's videos, you know, about the night sky. And, you know, I could just watch it if my people around me who explain it, like that would be the default way, but I'm getting it through a video and that may help me to understand the night sky. So it is this unusual situation. I think that's it is it's, it's what is the intention behind the technology? Um, you know, is it to further kind of put us in our own human world more and more? Like, Iterations and iterations inside inside our human world, and less connected with the world that we still depend on just as much as ever um physically and I would say emotionally and spiritually as well, or does it help us to reconnect with the world that we're in from where we are, yeah. And also in the creation of it, I'll put that in as well, because that can easily be forgotten. There's the use of the technologies, but the creation, the manufacturing of the technologies is also really part of this. Because if if we're using them in this really harmonious way, but the creation of them you know, necessitates huge pit mines and trawling the bottom of the ocean for minerals and things like this, then it's not fully considered, you know. Okay, well i feel I feel complete. How about you
1: yeah I mean we can keep talking about this for years. Here's my final statement. um Your perspective and your dedication to like a disciplined return to um, being close to the earth and being in a healing mode rather than an exploiting mode is admirable and we need. More of that. We need to hear your voice and your story, and have that. um, You know, it's a role model for humans. Thank you for doing what you do.
0: Thank you, and thank you for within uh, working with the technology so intensively to keep a vision that is both a dream and something more pragmatic than what I tend toward. Given the situation, to 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 go toward harmony from the uh, yeah region we've painted ourselves into at this time in history.
1: <laughs> thanks so much, Theo. That was great. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. I think we solved all the problems of humanity in this regard. <laughs> so I'm glad we were able it. to sort that out but seriously just to explore it and I really appreciated how we explored it together Traveller, Your Footprints by Antonio Machado Traveller, Your Footprints are the only road nothing else Traveller, There is no road you make your own path as you walk. As you walk, you make your own road. And when you look back, you see the path. You will never travel again. Traveler, there is no road. Only a ship's wake on the sea. It's from Antonio Machado. And then last one. says is a fragment of a poem from Mary Oliver. There's only one question. How to love this world. Music for this episode by Kaylee Marks. To hear more, click the link in the show notes. for listening to story paths where we finger threads weaving story with culture before we go i'd like to remind you of my new course creative writing brainstorming story ideas that is now available on skillshare if you're looking for a playful creative space this may just be for you you can find the trailer and a link for a free month of skillshare in the show notes and as we part I send my best wishes for you and yours. In the words of the Irish poet John O'Donoghue, may you realize that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here, and behind the facade of your life there is something beautiful and eternal happening. And so we close.